Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy. This interview is just great. Laura and I talk about control. We talk about leaning in to our strengths. We talk about getting off the personal development hamster wheel of doom. Talk about treating ourselves gently as we grow and change and figure out how to live our lives well. It's a wonderful conversation. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. We have a really fun guest today. This is Laura Anthony. And gosh, okay. How long have we known each other? Not even a year. That's not true. I know, doesn't it? it? It's crazy. Oh my gosh. No, no, that is true. That that is true. It it was the summer of 21. So it was more almost two years. Almost two years. I was in my RV. I was about to launch a small group and you reached out and you ended up being in that group. And that was amazing. Uh, We'll talk more about that in a minute. But so Laura is here as a client, as a friend, as someone who I think is really cool. We're going to talk about sixes in leadership. Uh, You're an attorney. And so lots and lots and lots of 60 skills come in handy in your work. You're also one of the funniest people I've ever met. (laughs) If I ever need something named, I always go to Laura. So zero to 60, which Laura's a member of, you can come hang out with us on Wednesdays. Um, She named it just like, I don't know how, do you know how that happens for you? I, I, I just love words. I love thinking about words and deconstructing words and just, I, it just things pop in my head all the time. It's amazing. Well, and you just have a great sense of humor. So that combination, it's, it's really fun. Um, so many things I appreciate about you and kind of want to gush about you, but I won't make you too uncomfortable. I'm just really thankful that you're here. I think that you're going to bring an even new perspective of sexiness that we just haven't heard on the podcast. And Thanks for being here. Well, thank It's an honor to be invited. I have listened to the other episodes. So I'm like, oh, the pressure is on to, a, you know. There's a lot of listeners. It's a little yeah. surprising. But yeah. Well, and the guests that you've had have been excellent. So kudos yeah. to everybody. Oh, I agree. Okay. So let's start with you. Let's just talk Enneagram a little bit. How did you come across it? How did you get to being a six? And then... Well, my Enneagram journey is probably the most unsexy thing about me. Like it is the least thing that is um, representative of a six, although I am 150% a six. But <laughs> it, I just feel like it's the the irony of how I came to this is, um, I don't know, it just, <laughs> it just surprises me. So I have a very good friend who is very... Um, very into the Enneagram and she has been in Enneagram groups and she has studied and she has like all kinds of everything Enneagram. And she would always just like give the little Enneagram this and Enneagram this. And I was like, okay, I've been, I've had uber amount of personality assessments like out. Do you love them? Like, do you gravitate to them? Well, it depends on what they say. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, yeah. The good ones. 
Well, I mean, the ones that paint me in a good light, I like those. Oh, which the Enneagram's not the best about that. Okay, no. keep going. So I, you know, I, 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 and I'm pretty introspective and understanding me and, you know, all of the things. So anyway, she, she's an eight. Mm. And, um, so she so kept she, pushing it. I don't, I didn't sense the pushing, but that's okay. Cause I've, she's my, one of my college okay. roommates. I've known her for a, a billion zillion years. And, um, so she's like, why, why don't you check this out? And I don't think she was ever like, Hey, you six, you better check this out because <laughs> you're going to need to figure yourself out. But she just laid enough breadcrumbs that I was on a whim going, all right, well, why don't I just like do a, a test or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, I did the test and then of course, did you like pay for the ready or did you find something oh. online? Yeah. <laughs> I just did yeah. something online. Okay. And um, me too. Did like what I don't know in, in one sitting, did several different tests because I was like, no. And um, then then I kept reading and then I and I did a couple of other. Did you test as a six? Yes. <laughs> like with a neon flashing sign. Um, like my phone blew up. <laughs> you are a six, just believe it. Um, and you're like, hmm, I, I don't know. I wasn't skeptical. Here's what I would say I was. I was like, but I really want to be a nine. Like oh. that's like that's kind of where I was like, yes, I can see my sixiness there, but I also one of uh, one of the other assessments that I did like, and I do think rings true to me is that strengths finder index, which harmony for me is the number one. It's like harmony, analytical, and I can't remember what the other one. It, it, I actually pulled it out somewhere on here. But so that if one, you find it, I'd love to hear yours. So I have it here. Okay, we can just somewhere. take a moment. I can just um, yeah. So uh, let me tell you what it is. Here it is. Yeah, like brief support. Uh, harmony number one. Mm-hmm. Relator. Relator. That's yeah. a good one. Because I'm loyal. Yeah. Loyalist. Well, um, analytical. Yeah. Duh. Deliberative. Oh. They they have serious care in making decisions. Yeah. Oh. And then adaptable. Oh, that's so, so those are those are the top five. We have none in common. Interesting. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're so anyway, much like this it. is mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing the tests. I'm doing them over again. My phone is neat light, lighting up. It's saying you are a six. <laughs> I then do the thing of, well, maybe I should find out about this through other channels, like scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> I come across Chris. I'm, this is like in a very short time span. Okay. I did not go to the library, which is what I would do and get every book that was ever written on the six. I did not like do anything. I just did some, I mean, I probably was like late at night and I got right. on Instagram. I found your stuff. Oh my gosh. I, I looked at it. Then something else popped up. You did something where you had some sort of internal dialogue that you were giving voice mm. to of this internal dialogue that you were having with about something. And I was like, her brain, what she, what her brain says to her is what my brain says to me. And this was like the Tuesday before you were running, launching the, right. the small group. Mm-hmm. I pushed the button on a Tuesday and it was like Thursday that we they joined the group. That's remember? Exactly I was like, how it went. Yep. that's exactly how it went. And I was like, that is so not me. I will wow. research something to death. I will do, you know, all of the things, ask a bunch of people. But in that moment, 
Yeah. I just pushed the button. And and I as I've said to you, it was a really difficult time in my life mm-hmm. that I was probably really unsteady. It was mm-hmm. like the six months before my dad passed away. And I'm I care I'm a caretaker for my mom who's disabled. So like ev- there was so much in turmoil. And it was it was an amazing thing that was very um impactful for me. So glad I did it. I'm glad I trusted my instinct, which I don't usually, I mean, I do trust my instinct, but I have to have that validated. Right. So I think I want to ask, and you may not remember, but do you remember what it felt like to be like, yeah, not, not because I'm like, oh, people should work with me, but just to like, do you know, do you know what happened to make that happen? Was it a thought? Was it a feeling? Do you have it was a connection to that internal monologue. Oh, yeah. It, it was. It was that um, the yeah. It, it, ha- hearing you give voice to your internal monologue, which was probably like ninety eight percent word for word, the internal monologue that I and I can't remember what it was. Whether it was something that oh, you were totally you know, debating in your head, but it was that fact that you were giving voice to that, and I was like, wow, there is. A, a a common thinker. And that's what I'm hearing. So people who are telling me about the podcast, they're like, it's when you say what's in your head mm-hmm. that the whole six thing finally lands for them. Mm-hmm. And that isn't really what is shared online. Like the, this description of people is so different than this is what it's like when I'm doubting everything and questioning everything. And it, as it happens, as I'm talking, right? All of those things. That's really part of what's helping people be like, oh, I guess I am six for better and worse. Yeah. So have you gone any deeper with the Enneagram or is it just kind of this thing that you know? And then we have our coaching deal and. I have not. No. And that that is the other unsexy thing for me versus me going out and, and saying, okay, well, what is my spouse or what is my child or what are the people around me? I have not um, gone down the rabbit hole of that. Not that it is a rabbit hole. I mean, oh, my- it's a rabbit hole. There's let's nice bunnies. There's nice bunnies. I mean, let's let's like we might like the people in the rabbit hole, but I haven't You've kind of kept it for you. I haven't researched it to death. I haven't beat it up and analyzed it. I am accepting what I'm learning at the pace at which I'm learning. And that is not nothing I have done or continue to do in other areas of my life, which is why I'm like, why is that? Why is this the one thing that you're not the one thing? Do you have any ideas? I I don't know, but I'm not analyzing it. So there I'm, (laughs) I I think it's great. Let's not analyze it. Let's just let you have it. That's, really interesting and fun. But I do, I am talking about um, Enneagram, like giving some Enneagram, like the sprinklings with people on my team. And Mm. sometimes when I interact with people, and usually I mention that, you know, I'm just like dabbling and learning a little bit about this. And I am struck by the amount of people who are like, yeah, me too. And so, yeah, it is kind of, um, creating some connections that are, um, are really interesting. That's and I'm not a person when somebody says, okay, well, I'm a two. And I'm like, 
sorry, I don't know how much about that. <laughs> you know, like good for you. I, you know, so I find too the deeper I go with it, the more I actually am able to say, I don't know what that means for you. You know, I think it's one of those tools that people use and then use against people. Like, oh, I know all about you. And that's really gross. And I kind of hate that about it. And I'm not a fan of that in the Enneagram community. It's really something I kind of am standing against more and more and more. I mean, I think this is just the way of people. The more we really learn, the more, and the more we mature, like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) You got a whole human thing going on over there that has some pieces. The thing that I think about sixiness that is so specific is the way that doubt plays so much in our life and the way that that can be used for us and against us. So let's rope that into your work and how much the, I mean, how would you describe it? Um, Well, I mean, I think one of the things that is maybe, I mean, not so unique to the legal profession, but you know, our bread and butter is when I'm practicing as an attorney is to think about all of the things that could go wrong, plan for that and provide advice on that. So I am constantly reinforced in this skill. Mm-hmm. And so it it is, and it may also be one of the reasons that I am a, a very resistant six to letting go of this is because I have a, you know, I've, I've been practicing for 28 years and Mm -hmm. it is a, it's a constant reinforcement loop, right? So you're good at this particular skill. People are hiring you for this particular skill. Um, You're getting praise and accolades and additional clients and compensated for this particular skill. And yet when you want to not have that be such a refined skill (laughs) set, it is, it, it feels difficult to, to turn it off. Mm -hmm. So doubt your question was about doubt. Um, being analytical and mm-hmm. and doubting and um, looking at all sides of the puzzle and everything that could go wrong, I think that piece of it is ingrained. It's kind of chicken and the egg. Like which came first, the six or the profession? Right? Yes. I don't. I don't know. I do know a lot of people in my profession who probably would not uh, resonate with this, but. No there certainly are a lot of them that do. Okay. People that don't, you wouldn't think are necessarily succeed. How do they also succeed? Like what's that? What are the other skills that make what you do? Like, how does it work for them? Well, I mean, on my, I'm going to give very basic Enneagram knowledge. So I do see people who are more performative, right? They are, they want to be, I do see people who are more, um, resolution focused. I see mm-hmm. people who are more um, caretaking. Um, caretaking so in, in terms of like the clients. I want to be, I want to be doing things that are like, you know, to promote social justice or to do other things like uh, more of it, like in it. A know. little more agendaed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so there, there is that there are, you know, we, in the legal profession, you have, sometimes you have people who are transactional focused. So they, they really mm-hmm. like the paper and the detail and the, um, 
and and things like that. That is not where I am oriented. I think mm-hmm. my my strengths finder is very consistent with my profession in the sense that I like to work with people and their real issues and kind of um, drama, if yeah, for a better word. And I also, I mean, I'm in addition to being a lawyer, I'm also a mediator, and so I'm a, and I'm a hearing. And so I think I I am focused on things that are attempts to resolve thing. And I think that's just a part of who I am and my origin story and, you know, how I grew up and wanting to be the problem solver. Um, uh, okay. Two things. So one, what I hear you saying is you really want to solve problems, that it there's something of real value for you in the work that you do. Prevent. Yes. Ideally and solve. Yes. Which is different than I'm just going to win this or please this or sort of move my agenda forward. I hear you saying, and this is very sexy. And I think one of the beautiful things of six is I really do want to prevent and solve problems, like bigger problems for people so that there is more harmony Harmony. and okayness in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. At the end of the day, I think sixes are best. Okay. So then- Pivoting back to more of your origin story, to whatever you want to share about that, I'd love to hear. Um, so as I mentioned, I have, my mom is an individual with a disability. So when I was 10 years old, she had a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, she um, had to learn how to do a whole bunch of things after her brain injury, you know, speak and walk and um, you do all of the things. So at a very young, and not, not all of those skills came back. Um, but at a, so at a very young age, I became the problem solver mm. in the house. I had a, a sibling who was four years younger than me. Um, my dad worked full time. And so, you know, as a, a child, I was, you know, right. I had a huge tricycle <laughs> with a basket on the back and I would, you know, ride my tricycle to the grocery store, like stuff we would not do. Oh today. my gosh. Yeah. I would get the groceries and I would do all of the things. And so, were you, you know, responsible before that or did you really have to figure out okay here's what I'm going to do like what I don't know that I have a memory of yeah, whether okay. I was responsible for before that but I would think that that's Jeanette like I feel like yeah. you can't just flip a switch on that that makes sense um and regardless I you know we did all the things and so my mom never drove again my you know she never worked again and Um, she had, you know, she, and still does because now she has dementia, but she, you know, it was deaf. It was a difficult, um, she, she had difficulty regulating and understanding things because of her brain injury. So there was always this element of, well, if, if something was going on in the house, Laura would be the one to mediate or fix it or mm. or be you know have the communication in a certain way that could resolve the whatever the issue is um that was heavy i think uh, that, that was yeah. heavy but it Did also you- helped me like in i think in the teenage years i didn't get r- super wrapped up in angst of boyfriends and prom and blah and you know and when i went to college when people would be having these kind of typical college i would be like you know what I just did when I was like 13 and four, you know, like this yeah. is nothing. So I kind of had this self-concept growing up of 
I'm a problem solver. Mm. You know, I can get through anything. There was a tremendous amount of confidence uh, in my ability to just figure stuff out. Um, Wow. But it wasn't until, and, and, you know, went to law school, did all the things, you know, I now lead a team of 30 and I, you know, all of, all of the things. That you so can, all that's very real. All the bio stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think that what I have learned from my origin story to now is that I don't know that I have the same level of confidence that I had as a child. And that is so interesting to me. Yeah. Like let's now talk. this isn't, this is interesting. Yeah. Let's cause this is very relatable. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I don't know why, you know, I, I think maybe it's because there are more um, more eyes on you, right? Or there are more expectations that come with position or title or, you know, mm. and so I don't, I don't get a sense that it is imposter, but it is more cautionary. I think I'm more cautious than, and I don't know if that's six run amok. Like now I have such well-developed skills of prediction and ca- catastrophizing and all of the things that um, it well, has let, clouded my, uh, let me ask it this way. Does it feel like now you have an awareness that things could fall apart? Whereas maybe as a child, you did not, you were just doing the things, building your confidence. And now as a grown up and as a mom and as all these things, maybe you have a sense more of reality that we can lose things, people esteem, positions. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like maybe you're just more oriented to reality. What I know more about what could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so then our sickness is going to tell us, well, then I need to focus on that and try to make sure it doesn't happen. And that's where we get ourselves in a bit of a bind. Constant vigilance. Constant vigilance. Yeah. And where things can get really sticky when something does go wrong. If we have that sense of not only can I take care of things, but I can, it's my job. And then also, is this in there? If something does go wrong, it's my fault. I certainly have that because I think I'm in control of the world. Um, And, but I also think that in a crisis, I'm excellent in a crisis. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. It's the anticipation and the aftermath that is the interesting piece of it because okay, when- yeah. What is know, the cost for you here? So what the is anticipation? Because this is all sounding really great, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, really, what's the downside? The cost is the constant, which again, I'm reinforced with this, is the, um, the analyzing, the planning, because when the crisis happens or when the such and such happens, I usually have plan A, B, and C and RSTL, you know, I, I right. have everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that in the moment. It's great. It's great. Afterwards, yeah. it's the shoulda, coulda, woulda of why didn't you do, a pre- why weren't your skills at prevention? Yes. Um, okay. As so, refined as your solving skills. Okay. So thing happens, it gets handled, whatever happens internally, then your brain goes at you. Mm-hmm. 
that's where you find a lot of the, how mean is your particular critic on a scale of, we don't know, we're not in other people's heads, but on a scale of one to 10, how vicious is your after? Gosh, I, I don't know if it's, it's, it's relentless, but I don't think it's vicious in the sense that it's, but it is there. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. The, the gremlin is always there, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I think one of the things that I have as the, I have an, in, you, when I heard you, it was like an internal monologue. Yeah. Mine is an internal, like high school debater, you know, like point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint. And then we're just going totally, it, Yeah, you know, 16 different back and forth. So yeah. That's where where I think it's relentless in the sense that it it keeps going to the next to the next to the next. Yeah. And you know the like I so one thing in my background is I studied psychology. That's my background and I've always been super fascinated uh, you know with anything that is has the intersection of uh person human personality and and law. That's that's where I find my sweet spot. And so, you know, when I was studying you know, adolescent psych or geriatric psych or anything else that was like, I was in it. And, um, you know, one of the, you know, one of modalities in psychology is cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, I've had my share of that. (laughs) It doesn't, it's not good for me because I am Mm. point counterpoint that is activating the point that the, the skill that I don't want, I don't Mm. want to continue to go back and forth and argument and argument because a, that's a really, that's a really strong muscle for me. Yes, um, and so I think as I have matured, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I have been trying to do is practice a little bit more acceptance and yes. heavy on the practice. Wrote about it this morning. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not heavy on the um, refinement, but I'm heavy on the practice of that. Um, trying to practice that skill. And I think that going, you know, full circle on the conversation of how did I get my sixth journey, that's probably what has led me to just not go down and visit the bunnies and the rabbit hole of, okay, what do I need to know everything? I'm just going to, I'm accepting this. I'm letting some things land and then seeing what, um, what comes of it. Okay. Let me ask you this. How much of this do you think became about being safe in the mind from all that messy feelings body business? Do you well, do you recognize that? Yes. Part of six? Yeah. Supremacy yep. of the mind, safety in the mind, fine to do all the debates and whatever. But you're noticing there's something not there. It definitely is a, you know, it is when you don't have a full feeling, it's not fulfilling, right? So you're, you know, so you think about feeling, um, if you're always, if you're always point counterpointing, there's a, there's a, there's something that you're missing. That's right. It's usually a feeling. I, you know, I need two-factor authentication for all of my feelings because I don't recognize them. initially, I need to have them, you know, all of the things. And, you know, this is obviously something that you and I have talked about in terms of um, headspace versus heartspace. So I'm, I'm, I'm still up in the head. 
I would, yeah. I'm there and I'm accepting that. And, you know, yeah. dropping down a little bit below the surface every once in a while. I'm. Do you recognize that that is scary to do? Or is it just a, I don't really go there. I mean, I think this is one of the ways that humor can be such a double-edged sword, right? Like we can really use humor for us. It can also be the easiest way to boop, pop back up into the head, create some levity. Do you... Yeah. Do you know that there's some fear about going in there or does it just feel like I just don't do it? And maybe there's not fear. I'm just using my own Enneagram assumptive language here. I don't know about the fear, to be honest with you, because I just haven't surrendered to to that. I, I don't know about that if I'm fearful of it or if I'm just so far removed from it that I, you know, don't even yeah. know what it tastes like sometimes, you know? Yes. So it's foreign. I yeah. don't know that I The whole it. feeling sort of world, like the, swimming the whole, in it. I'm not an emoter. I right. never have been, never been a hugger, never been a, you know, and I have friends who are, and it's just, I don't, that just never has been how I have been wired. So, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying not to beat myself up about that. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Um, good. Yeah. What about anger? Some sixes, I am one. Uh, anger was my safe place for a very long time, like my sort of safest emotion. Some sixes can't access anger to save their life. It is very scary. Where do you fall on that sort of spectrum? I think that this a spectrum is a good um, is a good word for it because I don't think if I'm if I'm being honest. I don't think anger is really the first thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if I usually, if if something, if you know, the thing happens, yep. I usually have a, oh, all right, put the plan in motion. Ooh, like a mobilize. Yeah, let's mobilize. This is the adrenaline. It goes to mm. get it done, figure it out, solve it, move on. Sometimes the anger comes in later in that, I'm mad at myself for, you know, not predicting planning or whatever. I'm mad at the other person, circumstance, weather (laughs) pattern that I couldn't control. Um, Yes. So, you know, I think the anger comes after. Mm. And so, and, and it's more, and I think the anger sometimes for me is more about, well, that just disrupted my plan. Yeah. Ooh, Yeah. And, and I'm so, you know, I'm so connected and attached and fused with my plan. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where the anger comes in. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you think about this idea that as sixes, we can trust ourselves to meet life as it comes? How does that mm-hmm. sentence land in your sixiness? Well, it, it probably is no surprise to you that it lands in the, well, wait a minute, don't I have some control over how life happens? And so again, remember practicing, not perfecting at this. Yeah. Um, I, because don't we, I mean, I think that one of the things where we get twisty is it can get so either or, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I was talking to my son last night about something that he's, wanting to happen. And I said, you know, we can control everything we put in to the process. And then that's out of our hands. That's what I'm trying to message 
to my kids. I don't always access that myself, but of course there are things we can do. And I think what happens a lot of times with sixes as we start to do this work is our brain goes, oh, so I'm just not supposed to care. Oh, so I'm just supposed to da-da-da-da-da, right? It, we get that like you were describing the debate back and forth. And of course, I'm always like, no, it's neither of those. There's a whole world of nuance and possibility and all these things that I think we just miss out on when we just let our brain do the ping-pongy bit. Because of course we can control some things. Of course we can. Can we actually control outcomes? I don't know. What do you think really? Mm. I have a lot of thoughts about controlling. and <laughs> We're so here for them. And yeah. we're just here for all the thoughts on controlling. I mean, sixes do not like to reckon and wrestle with how controlling we actually can be and are. I I am not unaware of my control issues. I, um, I'm not unaware of mine either. <laughs> so I I you know I do think though that because I am reinforced in this vein, it is yeah. the hardest thing for me to put on the shelf. Yeah. Um. But I also don't think that relinquishing control is being complacent. You know. I okay. Yeah. I, I, so I think that there are there, it's it's I, to me it's about discernment, right? Yep. It, it's about being able to discern what um, what controlling could lead to. It could lead to certain outcomes. Mm-hmm. It could lead to pushing people away. Yeah. It could lead to other people not feeling like they have agency or the ability to contribute. It could lead to isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that seeing all of the things, mm-hmm. um, is helpful in discerning when you want to flex that particular, particular muscle and also yes. accepting that even if you tried to push all of the various buttons, you, you know, and you push all these buttons and you think you're going to get a chocolate cake, it could come out as a banana cream pie. And you know right. what, you gotta, you gotta figure that out. So and how do you deal with that? So then have you found a way, because, you know, we talk a lot, obviously, about seeing our thoughts as they happen. So do you, and having strategies for that, instead of just letting our brains be at the whim of them. So when you've done all your work to make the cake and you get the pie, Mm -hmm. that's when your brain goes out. You have, you figured out some strategies to just not let that happen to you, right? I really think I see us kind of as um, we don't want to be at the whim of our own brains. What do you do with that? This is this is a work in progress for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I have an answer. Mm-hmm. What do I do with it? Because I will, um, I will definitely think about it, and I will say, okay, and the next time this happens. Do X, okay. Y, and Z. And that I have realized that that is another form of trying to exercise control. Right. Not bad though. Here's what I, I like to say to people. Like go ahead and do a review once. I think this is an important skill. Look back, get something from it. Then try to build some boxes around it, right? Because again, it's like don't not review and learn something we could have done better. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when we let ourselves get into like some kind of repetitive 
ruminative, uh, personal lambasting that I think we just want more care on board. We just want more ability to be kinder to ourselves. Where do you land with the whole self-kindness, like self-compassion, mm-hmm. that whole realm? Uh, another work in progress. I mm-hmm. would, I, I would say that I'm, you know, my analytical skills are analyzing all of the things that could have, could have, should have, would have yeah. um, all, all the time. And I think that in, in that vein, I also have to think about what is the impact of my control. I love that you brought that up and that, that level of awareness, like we don't need to be less of something. We get to be more discerning about when we use certain skill sets. That is such a brilliant way of saying it because it's never, in my opinion, right? This work is never about making ourselves wrong. It's just about more skills, different skills, more kindness, more access to our emotions and bodies, which for all of us is a work in progress. Like that's not a one and done thing. That's like the work of our lives. Um, I recently heard this idea about like a tapestry. We all are a tapestry. Some of our strands are very well-developed and very strong. And some of them are weak and, you know, hardly connected. This is true for every person. I loved that idea so much because it just, it's a kind way to say, I'm really good over here. I'm really analytical. I'm really good in a crisis. This and that and the other thing. And over here, okay, good to know. I can spend time over there if I want to. I can be aware when I'm overusing my really strong strands. It's just, I don't know, how does that metaphor land for you? Well, you know, I think about that if the tapestry is, you know, all the parts of your life also, you can also think about the fact that can you, and tying this into the leadership team, the leadership theme, um, can you surround yourself with others who, number one, give you a a balance to those um, weaker strands and also, if there's trust on that team, provide you with a mirror and, and to say when when your more well developed, stronger strands are creating some, you know, wonkiness in the tapestry. Oh, you just said so many good things. Yes, I agree with that so much. One of my latest musings is: Are we even supposed to uh, develop all the parts of ourselves, or are we supposed to put ourselves in? safe communities because we are social creatures. I think the isolation of individuals, right? And then psychologizing the crap out of them has been really damaging. And then we all have this idea that we're supposed to be a fully developed and all the ways person. I'm like, I just don't think I necessarily believe that anymore. I have very strong feelings about that. Okay. Do you want to weigh in? Are you? Um, Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 that a hundred percent. So when I'm looking to, um, you know, have people on my team, like that are either developing in their skills or hiring new people or, you know, looking at expanding, um, I don't want everybody to be the cookie cutter same, like not everybody, just like you, that example, not everybody has to stand in front of a podium and talk to a hundred you know, people. Oh yeah. Not everybody has to, you know, go out and do this particular. I want your best self, Mm. your best, um, skill set 
And I want to cultivate that and support it. And then I want to bring other people in whose best selves are going to be a complement to that and not necessarily a replication. Because if if I'm trying to develop everybody into a particular mold, then people are going to be constantly faced with, I'm not X. What, what this person is expecting of me is not is not me. Um, and so that is a very intentional and deliberate thing that um, I push when we're, you know, we're looking at. And so I do that with the other people. And I, yeah. I'm trying to do that also with myself versus saying, hey, I should be more feely feely. Yeah. I remember when I first did Strengths Finders, I was like, so appalled at the frame, which is lean on your strengths you know, and you're not so great at this other stuff. And at that time in my life, I just did not believe that. I thought that was fundamentally incorrect. And now, however many years on, this is probably six or seven years, I think I fundamentally think differently about it. Especially, I think, being a coach for so long and watching people beat the ever-loving shit out of themselves, I I just, it, it broke my brain at some point. I'm like, this is not the way. This is... This is a function of us all being told this in some form or fashion by, you know, our families of origin, society, generations past, like all that. I'm like, this is not right. And so, yeah, I think we just are on the same page there. And then how do we bring that into our families, right? How do we value what our families or partners' strengths are and not try to get them, you know what I'm saying? How's how's that? How's that in your life? You know, I think I it because I'm, you know, the, the chair of my group by design, my role is to evaluate and assist in people's development. Right. Okay. That when I'm taking that into the home environment, that's not as well received, you know? So um, it's again, just like any, just like the planning, preparing all of that thing. It's a well-developed muscle that yeah. I have to discern time and place. I don't always get it right for sure. Of course. Um, and you know, I, 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 I'm, and I, and and I'm, so I'm a sandwich generation person. So I'm caring for an elderly person and I'm also caring for, you know, minor, Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to discern both on, on both ends. Yeah. It's a lot. Do you, okay, okay, let's talk about the fact that you do speak in front Mm -hmm. of people all the time. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, this is the number one fear. Like so many people would rather literally die or like cut off a limb or something than do that. And I cannot, I always have people talk about like, oh, why don't you do a retreat? Why don't you do this? I'm like, no, I don't want to be in front of people. I want to do it how I do it, which is how I do it. Were you always good at that? Is it a natural thing? Do you have tips for people who have to talk in front of people? My tip for people who have to talk to people who don't want to, don't. (laughs) I mean, I... I I mean, that's my strategy. Well, I mean, there's obviously when you have to do it, right? Right. Um, I don't... I couldn't give people tips. It would be not authentic for me to give people tips on how to do it if it doesn't come natural to, because it comes naturally it to come me. Natural. Okay. So you do not get scared, anxious, or you just know how to deal with those feelings. 
I get scared. I don't get, I don't feel scared or anxious. What I, what I would fear, here's my, here's my fear is not appearing credible or Mm. authentic or, uh, um, as an authority, like, so you worry about that. I mean, I hear you saying that's a fear, but I don't hear you saying, and that cripples me. And that's, it's just like, oh yeah. No, because I prepare and prepare. I was going to say, because you're prepared. Yeah. Right. But, but the act of preparation is on the material is yeah. on what what i'm saying versus the getting up and and talking the other thing that i stress out about is i don't want to stand in front of a podium and just be blah 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 like yeah. my i obsess about how am i going to make this interesting and yeah. how are people going to you know are people actually going to look up from their computers oh. and not be online shopping or you know answering their emails or zoning out like yeah. i is is my am i giving value mm. you know through this um, standing at a podium because yeah. honestly, the podium for me is protection. I, I, I feel that very strongly. If I, you asked me to go and, you know, my colleagues all know this, like when I have to go and be one-on-one in a room of not one-on-one, but like go to a cocktail. I was going to say happy hour. Tell me about happy hour. Yeah. Not happy. That <laughs> is not a happy hour for me. That is not, um, Okay. So So if you can prepare and you have control over the environment, that's going to be more calming to you than a more open, social, loosey-goosey. That makes sense. And when people come up to me after the presentation, they're asking questions, completely fine with that. Yeah. You know, it, but it's... uh, The context is still set. I mean, that just makes sense. And and I, I know my role and what I'm, what I'm there to do and I don't have that fear if I'm having to, you know, chair a meeting or do all the other things. So, so I, you know, going back to your question, I don't have tips because I don't think I could have tips for somebody who, for whom that is not natural. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Okay. What are your tips for people uh, at happy hour? Oh my God. Um, so I try to take a little bit of the things that I do behind the podium and think, okay, you have a job to do here. Okay. And and maybe assign myself a job. Like, you know, your job is to find one person, um, who also enjoys, you know, one of your favorite fun things that you have, something that I like, find somebody who's also traveled to your favorite vacation spot. Like, you know, it's find kind of something like, to talk about mm-hmm. that or, is of genuine interest. Yeah. Can I find somebody who also knows somebody who can help me with a thing? Like, oh. you know, if I'm at a cocktail party and I've really thought about, oh, I'd love to, I don't know, take a trip to Amsterdam. Right. You're like, you know, so I, you I don't know. prepare to I have an idea in my mind that I'm not just going to go in there and say, oh, isn't it nice weather? So it again, though, it's preparation to help you. I mean, I think sometimes this is just what we miss, that we can prepare. Do you, um, what if you do get anxious in the moment? Broader question. This is what I want to ask. What is your relationship with anxiety in general? Um, I, anxiety is always in the car, Okay, but I yeah. try not to let her in the driver's seat. Okay. But I try to have her. She's there the, and she's allowed to be there. She's allowed. Well, I, there, um, I think there's an umbilical cord problem. I don't <laughs> think I could sever 
the relationship. <laughs> but, you know, she's a backseat driver, I yeah. think. And so it's it's yeah, on me how, how loud I let the voice become. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do is keep her in the back seat. She's there. Um, I try not to allow her to come across the bucket seats and take the wheel. Right. right? You know, but sometimes that does happen. There yeah. is no, no doubt. One of my one of my colleagues has said, "You are the most calm, anxious person I've ever met." <laughs> I think that's so and, many sixes. Yeah, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I am fooling you." No, no, really. Like, I remember no. back back to the Strength Finders season. Apparently, of my life, I remember getting feedback from my team of, "Yeah, how calm." Like it was just. It's fascinating hearing people reflect their version of me to me. I was like, mm-hmm. that is so interesting. And this is actually a very sexy thing is that that can be particularly wide, that chasm between uh, how we're perceived and how we are perceiving ourselves. I don't hear that as much in you. I feel like you have a pretty strong sense of yourself. Well, so when when he said that to me, I did have the, yay, I'm fooling everybody. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not. But then I'm like, I think the thought that came back to me was good for you for being authentic with people on your team. Good for you to give voice to that because I don't, I want anybody who has experienced that feeling has felt that that is um, limiting or debilitating at any point in their life to not think that it is um, their own unique experience. And so I say, I, I talk about it with people on my team. Um, and How did you not let it stop you? Because this, I just so often, I see this in threads and I talk to sixes and the anxiety is the stopper. So how did you let it stop me? I I don't want to, um, you know, be on this podcast and say, oh, no, I got it. No, I don't. There's absolutely times in my life that I have not done the thing Mm. or have not initiated something or I have procrastinated on something that I really should do because of because of what a voice is telling me that, oh, this might do X. You do know. you find it's in terms of things that are less structured? Because what mm-hmm. I've learned is when it's, I can check a lot of boxes. I can do a lot of things. I have a lot of capacities. For me, of course, this has been my business, which has been the biggest sort of test of this. When it's me bringing myself forward, that is when I get the most, I mean, kind of internal torture, right? That's what I've really had to wrestle with because because there are less boxes, right? There's less like, this is how you do it. Like me coming forward, that's when it is real clear and present for me. Who makes me sweat just talking about it. (laughs) Take a breath. Um, I wonder, I mean, the thought that just popped in my mind, and again, you're going to have to fill in the blanks here because I have not read all the Enneagram books. I don't know everything there is to be about a six. But one of the things I do know is there's this piece of this loyalty and community and, you know, is, is there, for me, I think that I do put the, maybe the team and my connectivity and, and with, with a team as a, on a pedestal 
for mm. me. And so have there there have been things that maybe I could do with just the me. Yeah. That, that I have not. And I don't know if that is fear in relationship to, you know, the kind of the thing that you just described or my six loyalty at play. Yeah. Like wanting loyalty to them or feeling also loyalty in what you're doing. I mean, I think it goes both ways, right? It's like we want loyalty, right? Because we are loyal. So there can be a little quid pro quo in our less healthy iterations of that. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's interesting to think about because there is so much around community. Okay. And this is another thing I wanted to talk about with you because you said something in our zero to 60 call the other day that I was like, oh, that's really interesting because a lot of sixes identify with not wanting to feel alone. Like, oh, I feel, I don't feel alone anymore. I tend to be more automatically distancing where like, I kind of try to pull myself out of the big group as I Mm. like to call it. Like, oh, I don't want to be like that. And you said, yes. And I don't, do you want to talk it through a little bit? I'm softening. I'm softening in that way. I'm trying to become more like actually okay in community because I tend to stand apart and safely Um, judge. That's my (laughs) embarrassing thing I'm working with. I don't think that I have the, um, standing apart. I want to, I have a strong sense of duty. I think that's, that, that's a piece of, that's what I connect with. And I think that I have, um, I've had different leadership positions, you know, in high school and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and I think that is probably what drives that just, uh, not that I want to, not that I want to go to every party, but I certainly want to be invited, you know? Yeah. Um, And that if I am in a position in which it is my, you know, part of the role is doing something for the group, for the team, for the organization, that, that feels very, that's very reinforcing to me. And I don't know if that's a sixth thing, but I I I get stuff out of that. So I relate to that 100%. For me, it's been spaces I create, right? I mean, that's what you're a part of that. So like I feel safest and most uh, aligned. It's so egotistical. You can hear, I'm like judging myself as it's coming out. Hey brain, slow down. It's like, there's so much muck and mess in community. So I'm like, I'm going to step out and then I will create the space that then I don't, it's like, it's just so weird as a six because sometimes I trust myself more than anyone else. And a lot of times I'm outsourcing that trust and looking for safety and security outside. Do you resonate with kind of both of those poles? Because what I hear you saying too is you end up in the leadership, which is not all sixes. Many sixes want to be tucked into the community. And I Mm. hear you saying, well, I kind of lead the communities. I, I'll just tell you a, a short story. And then, yes, I, re, I read that all, all of that resonates to me. But <laughs> what I hear, because and what I connect with is the community I create is the community I control. Yeah, exactly. So it calls come back to the C word, the control. Oh, word. It does. Um, 
so I was in a leadership development program and um, it was just different people from all different types of vocations. And it was, I can't remember, first, second, third, very early in, it was a year-long program. And one of our very early meetings, we were all seated at, I don't know, tables of 10. And the facilitator said, okay, I'm going to give you, I don't know, like one minute, 30 seconds, whatever it is, pick a team leader from each, pick a leader from each table. And, you know, maybe, I think maybe it was 10 seconds. It was very short. And okay, three, two, one, the leader needs to stand up. Okay. So everybody, every table has the leader, they're standing up. And so the conversation then turned to, okay, who is the leader? Is it, and everyone's like, it's that person, right? Person standing. Like, no, no, no. The person who's leading that group is the person who's convinced that person or the person who said, you do it. That's the actual leader. That is the person in control. And I was like, the brain just did the brain exploding. That is blowing my mind. And that I've always thought about that in the, in the context of leadership. Cause I can tell you like in certain situations, I have not been the named person mm-hmm. in a leadership role, but my sense of duty compels me to try to affect, have some leadership influence within that. And it's not to say I'm trying to control everything, but I want to, from the sake of going, you know, just this kind of sense of duty. This just, Um, yes, I so feel that in my bones, the way that you said that, because it is a sense of duty for me too. I'm like, listen, all of this is being done not for you. Like, I feel so much connection to and duty toward what this community of sixes, right? Like all these random people. I'm like, oh, I so badly want to help uh, you know, it's like f- some freedom, some freedom from the weight of these patterns and the, uh, and I feel so connected to that purpose that that is literally what drives everything and makes all the the terror doable and worthwhile because of connection to that duty and purpose, which is why for sixes too, I'm always trying to help them find like, what is that thing? What kind of, I say it in terms of like, what makes you want to live as opposed to just staying alive? Rural <laughs> <Just laughs> oriented. But if you can find that thing, I don't know, the rest of it, just like the anxiety and everything else, you can manage it or you can deal with it. I don't know what language you would use, but it just becomes the driver. Well, you can, number one, I, I need to just respond to, you are doing it. Oh, and yes. you and you are you're you're doing a great thing for all of the people who are caught in the spin. But the ultimately, I think that connection is what drives people. And so, if you have this mm-hmm. connection to duty, yep. you have this connection to um, the team. Now, you know there are some good parts about it, right? I really mm-hmm. value that that the camaraderie, and I value the collaboration. I also value on the six end you know, 29 other people who I can go to and to go, what do you think about this? Right. Yes. I, so I have this built in um, validity testing of my thoughts, right. Yeah. Which is so sexy of me. Cause I want to, I want to like get make sure, right. I want to make sure that my gut instinct was really true. And <laughs> usually it is. Um, totally. But 
I now I have I have a built-in network for that. So, you know, I know I'm I overthink sometimes, but I also know that um sometimes that thinking is what is a connecting with yeah. with others. Um it's helping me plan. Sometimes I'm constantly questioning, but that also can be frustrating to others. So again, going back to what is can can you discern when collaboration is a good thing and when does it you know, slow you down. What I love though about everything you're sharing is I just really hear a sense of, yeah, these strengths aren't always amazing, but they are strengths. Like this just sense of esteem that you have access to is really great. It's really nice to hear. We do not have to be perfect. We can really orient to what is great about us and also see how even some of the downsides sometimes like the overthinking and the over asking that does actually potentially create community. Mm -hmm. It really does. And people like to be asked what they think. People like to be included in processes. Like things don't have to be just right to actually be good. Back to the community over isolating and being the, you know, perfect person or the fully healed person or any of that stuff that I just think is garbage. It is um, destructive. It is destructive. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree. It's um, it's the personal development hamster wheel of doom. That's how I've started saying. <laughs> well, we're all spinning. I mean, everybody's spinning on something. I'm going to be Spinderella. I'm okay with it, you know? <laughs> And I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to get sucked into it. And a lot of times when I do get sucked into it, one of the strategies that I just say to myself is maybe like Mm -hmm. I, you know, any, whatever the thought is or whatever the catastrophe that I'm planning, um, I'm saying to myself, maybe it's good because I can't, I can't argue with that because then I just go down again. I go point. Mm -hmm. point. So So it's like, what if, but for you, it's a different. Direction. I just say, you know, okay, yeah, what if, what if, what if? And I say, maybe, maybe, because I can't say, no, that's not going to happen or this and that, or yes, it will. I just have to give it a little bit of um, validation. And that to me helps me. I was just, so what does that do to your system when you're bing, 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 and you say, maybe, what happens in your body? I have a little bit of, so what, what usually happens in my body, you, you ask this question all the time, you know, where do I feel it? Well, my shoulders and my ears have a love affair. So I usually, they're, they're riding up to each other. And so if I could feel a little bit of that relaxation, that's where I feel it. I know that that is the, that's where it travels in my body. So that's, that's how I feel it. I also, I connect the maybe to oh, and by the way, you've planned for this, right? Mm, you know, mm. that maybe is um, pointing a finger at the safety net. Mm. That's not always the most healthy thing. I recognize that, but... Um, I just don't think that matters. I mean, I think that's really kind of what we keep pulling out. It's like, yeah, I have these tools. Sometimes they work in a really helpful. Sometimes they're reinforcing the same, same, yeah. Sometimes we do stuff that works great. Sometimes we don't. What if that's actually just okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's some truth telling right there. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I always love to imagine like, would I even want to know the person who had everything like locked down and had become like the perfect person? I personally don't want to know that person. I'm Mm -hmm. irritated by even the idea of that person existing. Um, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I would want to just do the Vulcan mind meld with that person. (laughs) No, yeah, no. Well, okay. That's, there's a goal for you. Maybe, maybe you vanquish the perfect person in your, I don't know that it's perfection. I think it is contentment. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. More, more equanimity and more contentment versus, uh, thinking the things, thinking all the things and being, you know, in the spin. Again, I can be Spinderella. I can be, it, it can yeah. be prop, propping up and, and um, there can be good things about that. Yeah. And that's, I yes. So in terms of what are we quote working towards, that is one of them. A little more contentment, a little more noticing when the contentment comes and expanding the capacity for that a little bit, because the brain will come right in and just tear that right apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knowing, oh, I feel content in being able to expand that because you have had your moments, you know, where to, you, you go to the beach for that. You get it. I do. But without sitting on the beach going, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? Like, you know, take all this in while you can, because the minute you get in your, you know, get back on the plane, it's, um, spin, spin city. And this is, as you know, one of the things I teach about feelings is it's not all just about learning how to feel the hard stuff. It's about actually creating more capacity for the whole entire spectrum of feeling, which does include peace and joy and contentment sometimes. Maybe. The lie that our brains offer is we should feel that way a lot of the time, as opposed to maybe we get to some of the time and we just can expand those little moments. And that is good. Well, philosophically, don't you think all self-helpy stuff is really focused on reduce your stress mm-hmm. and find joy and all of these things? And that, to me, just just like what you said, we have to have the message of you are going to feel good and bad. You know, exactly. you, you, there is going to be an ounce, uh, you know, an amount of suffering that is going to be uncomfortable. That's and right manage the expectation on that end, I think you will find joy because the the difference between the expectation and the reality, if you're, all your expectation is happy, 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 joy, 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 um, that's, that's where it falls short. So I'm, that's where I'm trying to get into the more yep. acceptance of the variability. Of yes. That I, yep. Okay. You just said it perfectly. I think we should close on that. I was just going to add more words, but just say exactly what you just said. So we're just going to, uh, is there anything else that's burning desire for you to talk about? I don't think so. Just thank you for all that you do. Man, this was so much fun. Just like we knew it would be. Thanks for <laughs> Because being we here. could predict it. Because <laughs> we could predict it. Because we prepared, darn it. More or less. Okay. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. All right. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye. Okay, sixes, thank you for listening. Couple things. If you can, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you're really feeling generous, leave it a rating and even a review. And if you 
want something for your own self, (laughs) go get the mini confidence course for sixes that I made for you. People are going through it and really starting to get a sense of being able to see themselves more clearly and stay on their own side as they do hard things. So go get it, check it out. Let me know what you think of it. And I'll be back with y'all next week.